Well, we'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with us to a very familiar passage of Scripture. If you're uh, a student of the Word of God, that one of the passages of Scriptures that you'll be familiar with is Psalms 1. So I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 1. I titled my message today, How to Succeed in the New Year. It's amazing. God and the Word of God teaches us that He wants us to prosper. Now, I am not one of these uh, preachers that preaches uh, the prosperity gospel. But I do believe that the Bible is very explicit. In sharing that he wants to, that God wants to bless his children and he wants us to prosper. But there are certain conditions, of course. And he lays those conditions out before us in Psalms 1. So with your Bibles open, I invite you to stand with me as we begin to read these verses of scriptures. Psalms 1, verse 1 and following. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree, Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Notice that. Whatever he does, he shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So he tells us that a righteous man that if he will do certain things, he will prosper. But then he also says that the ungodly, he will perish. So you make the decision today. Do you want to perish or do you want to prosper? Well, I think every one of us, if we know our hearts and we're in the right mind, we would say, Pastor, I want to prosper. I want to prosper physically, mentally, spiritually. In every avenue of my life, I want to succeed. Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you that you have shared with us a pathway to prosperity. And that this is the hallway of happiness in the life of a child of God. And so, Father, I pray that you will 
Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive of your perfect will for our life. Thank you, dear Lord, for blessing us this past year and knowing that, dear Lord, if we will continue to be faithful and to follow your will and way, that you will bless us even more. And so, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus for you to anoint not only the preaching but the hearing of your word. And may Christ be exalted and may he always be lifted up and glorified. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. That word blessed is an interesting word. Sometimes it can be referred to as happiness. Happiness is the man. Even in the plural sense of the Hebrew language. It can even be spoken of as successful man. A successful man. And so... What I want to do for a few moments, just look at what the scripture teaches us about how we can experience success in our life, whether it may be physically, mentally, spiritually, or even financially as well. I'm reminded of the scriptures in Psalms chapter 35 and verse 27. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. He takes great delight, great pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. But also listen to 3 John chapter, chapter 1 verse 2. I pray, 3 John, excuse me. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So, what the psalmist does here, he gives us three pieces of advice here in this passage of Scripture in these first six verses of this passage. And so what I'd like to share with you, those three pieces of advice. First of all, and you might want to write this down, and I encourage you to do that. Number one, verse one. Live for the Lord. As you, so many times people will say, I'm making a New Year's resolution. Well, what I'm asking you today, not make a New Year's resolution, but make a New Year commitment. And that is that I want to live for the Lord. This coming year, I want my life to be dedicated, committed unto the Lord. Because I want God's blessings. I want his hand upon my life of protection. And I want to be able to experience blessings untold. Listen to what the Bible says. There in verse 1. He lists three different groups of people. And these three different groups of people are people that will try to keep you from living for the Lord. He talks about those three. He talks about the skeptic. He talks about the sinner. And he talks about the scornful. I say they have DD degrees, doctors of damnation. 
They have placed you and want to put you in the school and a lecture of three easy ways to send your heart and your soul to hell. And that's exactly what these three will do. Let's go and look at them just for a few moments. First of all, you'll notice that what he says there in verse 1. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I wrote beside that word ungodly as skeptic. There are skeptics out there in the world today. And you'll notice what that word ungodly, that that has a prefix of un, that literally means not. In other words, if you're unafraid, you're not afraid. If you're ungodly, that means that you're not godly. And that's what he's talking about here. Oh, we in America today are so proud of the statistic that 96% of all Americans believe in God. Well, practically speaking, 80% do not believe in God because of the way that they live and the way that they act and the way that they betray themselves. And so, my friend, even though we may have 4% of intellectual atheists, we probably have about 80% practical atheists. And so, here, the Bible talks about here as the ungodly, the sinner, or the skeptic. Now, notice what he says in the next verse of Scripture. He says, nor stands in the path of sinners. In other words, the skeptic is ungodly. The sinner is unholy. In other words, he not only lives as if there is no God, but he also lives the way that it doesn't bother him. You know, you sometimes wonder when you look at people and they live a, such an ungodly life and you ask the question, why doesn't that bother them? My friend, because their heart is cold. Their heart has become uh, uh, in such a manner where it's become hardened to the things of God. And so, here is a man that is not only a skeptic, but he's also a sinner. I'm reminded of the scriptures of Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20, where it says, this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wickedness. They see that sin is no such thing as far as their point of view. But then we finally come to the scornful. The Bible says there in uh, that verse, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. A scornful person is unruly. That word scornful refers to a dog's snarl. In other words, it's to make a face at something. And here is one, he's not only a sinner, 
He, it doesn't bother him that he's a sinner. But he mocks at sin. He laughs at sin. Have you ever noticed of how some of these comedians uh, on TV today, how they like to mock sin? How they like to laugh at sin? See, the devil knows that if you he can get you to laugh at sin, you won't take sin very seriously. And so what he's trying to do is to get us to mock at sin. So what I'd like to do just for a moment, let's go back and look at these three. The skeptic, the sinner, and the scornful. First of all, as he says in verse 1, look at what he says. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, the psalmist is telling you and I today to avoid the advice of the skeptic. Avoid the advice of the skeptic. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Have you ever noticed how the world always is ready to stand to give advice? My friend, when I look at the world and I see that the world is a sick world, I certainly do not want to seek advice from a sick world if I have problems today. But you know, he's ready to give advice. I was talking to a a gentleman the other day. And he's going through a uh, terrible, terrible divorce. And I asked him the question, I said... uh, How can I pray for you? And you know what he said? He said, would you pray for my wife that she would quit seeking ungodly advice? Boy, I thought, what a prayer request. Because, my friend, that's exactly what happens so many times. Is that when they go, when individuals going through problems, they go and they seek counsel, and that many of that counsel is ungodly. Friend, sort of reminds me of an old, uh, a gentleman one time had a sick mule. And uh, he went to his neighbor because he knew that his neighbor had a sick mule one time. And he asked him, he said, when your mule was sick, he said, what did you do? He said, I gave him a quart of kerosene. He said, you did? He said, yeah, I sure did. So the guy went, gave his mule a quart of kerosene. His mule died. He comes back to the gentleman. He said, uh, I did exactly what you told me to do. I gave uh, uh, a quart of kerosene to my mule, and he died. And he said, well, don't feel bad. My mule died too. (laughs) (laughs) You better be careful by seeking the advice of ungodly people. This coming year, you're going to be faced with difficulties and you're going to be faced with problems and if you're not careful you'll go seeking advice from ungodly people and friend I want you to understand that it will get you in trouble every time oh the world is ready to give you advice oh the world will say hey there's many roads to heaven 
All you got to do is just get on one of those roads. And yet I'm reminded of what the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Oh, I hear people say, wow, it's all right to take a drink. It's all right. I mean, after all, it's New Year's Eve, and why not? Everybody else is doing it. Well, I'm reminded of what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. You say, Pastor, are you telling me that it's a sin to drink? I'm telling you that I think it's a sin to drink. How can it help and edify your testimony? The world will tell you, of course, eat, drink, and be merry, and live it up. I mean, after all, you only live once. Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so, my friend, the world is ready to give you advice, but I want to tell you, you better be careful seeking ungodly advice. But secondly, Not only avoid the advice of the skeptics, but also you should avoid the action of the sinners. Listen to what the Bible says there in verse 1 again. And stand in the path of sinners. Notice the progression. Notice the progression here. You begin to believe the skeptic and then you end up beginning to behave like the sinner. They go hand to hand. It's like dominoes. You better be careful what you feed your mind. Because, friend, you feed it on junk food, you know what's going to happen? Your life's going to become a garbage. A piece of garbage. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So you better be careful what you plant in your mind. So, number one, avoid the advice of the skeptic. Number two, avoid the action of the sinner. Number three, avoid the attitude of the scornful. Listen to what he says in verse one. And sit in the seat of the scornful. Now this represents the worst stage of sin of all. You see the progression here. First of all, you accept the advice of an individual. Then you imitate their actions. And then you adopt their attitude. Do you see the progression? First of all, sin will entice you. Secondly, it will engage you. And then it will embrace you. Sin is very tempting. I mean, after all, the Bible tells us there is pleasure in sin for a season. So it reminds me 
there was this uh, fly. And he was flying through the air in the kitchen. And he flew over the kitchen table and he smelled the scent of this fly paper. And finally he landed it, landed on that fly paper and the fly said, hi, buy a fly paper. And immediately the fly paper said, hi, my fly. That's the way sin will do. It will embrace you. Alexander Pope, he made this statement one time. He says, when we see vice, first we are repulsed. Then we endure it. Then we pity it. Then we embrace it. And that is so true. The best way to deal with sin is to stay away from it, my friend. Friend, I want want you to understand, sometimes the best positive advice is the negative advice. Listen to what the scripture says in Psalms 97 verse 10. Who love the Lord, what? Hate evil. Those who love the Lord... Hate evil. And then, of course, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then Amos chapter 5, verse 15 says, Hate evil, love good. Hate evil, love good. So, first of all, he begins to talk about of how we begin this new year, that we need to make a commitment that I'm going to live for the Lord. And as I'm going to live for the Lord, I'm going to stay away by God's help and through the power of the Holy Spirit, away from sin. But secondly, let's go on and continue looking at verse 2. Not only live for the Lord, but walk in the Word. See, it's amazing how the Word of God teaches you how to live for the Lord. See, it's more to it than just saying, I'm going to live for the Lord. It's more to it, walking down the aisle and getting on your knees and say, Lord, this day forward, I'm going to live for you. My friend, I want you to understand, you need strength. You need guidance. You need power. You need knowledge. And all that comes from the Word of God. Listen to what he says there in verse 2. He says, but let's go back to verse 2 just for a moment. Excuse me. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law is... He meditates day and night. Now, I know some people think that success is reading the Wall Street Journal. Some think that reading, I mean, reading uh, financial magazines that you can gain success. Well, 
The Word of God tells us, if you want to be successful in your Christian life, you best read the Word of God. He says, first of all, delight in the Word of God. That word delight literally means pleasure. It literally means that I reap pleasure as I study the Word of God. Is your Bible reading a delight or a duty? That's what you must ask yourself. Do I delight in the Word of God? Do I receive pleasure as I study the Word of God? I think it's amazing as you study the book of Psalms of how David was as if he had had a love affair with the Word of God. Go back and let's look at a few verses of scriptures. Psalms 119, verse 14. Listen to what he says. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. And then he goes on in verse 72 of that same chapter. He says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Then he goes a step further in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And then, of course, he says in 103 of that verse, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then he says in that same chapter in Verse 131, listen to this. I open my mouth and planted, for I long for your commandments. My friend, I want you to understand, if you're ever going to grow, if you're ever going to mature, if you're ever going to conquer sin in your life, you cannot, you cannot, listen to me, you cannot do it without the Word of God. That's why if you want to be successful this coming year and you want to live for the Lord, friend, you must walk in His Word. Meditate. Meditate, as He says. Delight yourself in the Word of God. But not only delight yourself in the Word of God, but to deliberate in the Word of God. Listen to what he says there in verse 2. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He meditates day and night. See, it's not enough just to read the Bible. Friend, I want you to understand, it's not even enough that you just study the Bible. But you must meditate upon the Word of God. You say, well, Pastor... What's the difference? What's the difference of studying the Bible and meditating the Bible? Meditating upon the Bible. Meditating is an interesting word. It is the word of murmur to, that you utter to yourself. In other words, you, you, you 
have something uh, in your mind and it goes over and over. Have you ever uh, got a, a, a song lyric in your mind and you couldn't get it off? And every time you turned around, you were humming that uh, that lyric. That's what he's talking about, meditating. That it comes into your mind and you just can't get away from it. It's like a cow chewing on his cud. And that he just chews and chews and chews and chews and chooses. Friend, that's the secret of success. Taking the word of God. One of the greatest, greatest successful men that has ever lived is found in the Word of God, a man by the name of Joshua. Joshua, a mighty soldier. Joshua, leading more than four million Israelites across the river of Jordan, coming before the most fortified city on the face of the earth, Jericho. Now, what did God do in order to prepare Joshua to lead his people to conquer the city of Jericho? Did he give him a battle plan? Did he give him instructions of how to train his soldiers? Did he give him certain weapons? No, he didn't. Listen to what the Bible says. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. By example of taking a man like a, a man like Joshua, conquering Jericho. We all have our Jerichos. And it looms against us and it threatens us. And we wonder how in the world can we conquer that Jericho? Joshua tells us, meditate, churn the word of God in your heart over and over and over and over and over again. And the Bible says, God will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Live for the Lord this coming year. Walk in His Word this coming year. But then I want you to notice something else. Stand for the Savior. If there's ever a time to stand up, my friend, I believe it's a time for us to stand up. As children of God, as men and women who have been born into the kingdom of God, who have been dressed with the robe of righteousness, men and women who have called themselves Christ-like. 
It's the time to stand. Oh, it's not an easy time. My friend, we see it more and more today that the hardship upon that is coming upon Christians today. Many uh, Christians today have even had to give their lives for the cause of Christ. Are you willing to make a commitment this coming year to say, this year I'm going to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ? How will I do that? He gives us a perfect example of that. Listen to what he says there in verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. In other words, he says that you shall be like a tree. Now what does a tree, what, what is he trying to describe to us here as we look at this passage of Scripture? And he says that if you're going to stand for the Lord, you're going to be like a tree. Well, he, first of all, he says you must stand firm. You must stand firm. You think about a tree. When the winds come and the winds blow, think about that big old cedar tree that's outside your window of how the winds may blow and how the winds may push and pull. But that old cedar tree stands firm. That oak tree stands firm. In other words, what he's saying here, you know what you believe and you stand firm upon it. You're not blown about by every wind of doctrine. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15 verse 13. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. But you, my friend, you have been planted by the rivers of water to stand firm. My friend, we live in a day and time where you have your conservatives and you have your liberals. And they say that the pendulum swings. One time it's, uh, the pendulum has swung to the conservative area and then another time it swings to the liberal. My friend, I don't want us to be on a pendulum. I want to be firm. I want to stand like a tree no matter which way the pendulum swings. I want to be a man that's not blown about by every wind of doctrine. I want to be a man that is not cast away by some type of circumstance. But I want to be a man of holiness, of godliness, and righteousness. And that will never take place unless my life is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A man must have conviction. A man that does not have conviction, my friend, is not like a tree. You must stand firm. You've probably heard the story about one foggy night. A captain on the ship was issued the Warning that there was a ship coming toward them. 
And there he gives the man with the lights, the signals, and he says, tell them to turn that ship 10 degrees south. The lights came back and the signal came back and it says, you turn 10 degrees north. The captain came back and he says, you tell them that this is the captain of the ship. You turn your ship 10 degrees to the south. And then, of course, it came back. And it says, this is the seaman, first class. You turn your ship 10 degrees to the north. Well, by that time, the captain really was getting frustrated. He says, you tell them that this is a battleship and you turn 10 degrees to the south. And the signal came back and said, this is a lighthouse. You turn 10 degrees to the north. Man, you must stand firm and stand strong in the days when others will not. Stand firm. But you also must send fruit. Listen to what he says in verse 3. That brings forth its fruit in its season. See, see, you see, success is not just a reward. It's a result of godliness. It's the result of godliness. Notice the difference here in this passage of Scripture between a man of God and the man of the world. The man of God, the Bible says, will prosper. The man of the world says that he will perish. But also, he must not only send fruit, but thirdly, he must stay fresh. Listen to what the Bible says. This is a tree whose leaves shall not wither. You can always tell about a tree, whether it's alive and well, by its leaves many times. The leaves, if that the roots have begun to decay. And if that tree has begun to decay, that the leaves will begin to turn yellow. And the leaves will begin to wrinkle and crinkle up and it begins to become hardened. So you can tell something about a tree by its leaves. And the Bible says, whose leaves shall not wither. When I read this passage of Scripture, I thought about Lord Byron great poet but even though he was a great poet he was a man of sin debauchery he was a man that almost drunk himself to death he caroused around with wild women in his latter years he wrote these words My life is a yellow leaf. 
And then he wrote these words. I now have ashes. Where once I had fire, the soul in my body is dead. The thing I once loved, I now merely admire. My heart is as gray as my head. But I thought it was interesting in that same poem. He says, my life is like a yellow leaf. It's almost as if he had read Psalms 1. And that a man of sin has begun to see that his life was decaying. It's amazing to me. I can look at people physically sometimes and can tell you how sin has handled them. Many a time I've seen people whose faces are drawn and wrinkled simply because of how they have allowed sin to destroy their lives. I ask you a simple question today. Do you want to be a prosperous man, woman, Or do you want to be a perishing man or woman? Live for the Lord. Live for the Lord. Walk in His Word. And stand for the Savior. And God says, you shall prosper. And you shall flourish. And there will be fruit that will come from your commitment. Nothing's any more prettier than seeing a big old fruit tree, such as an orange tree, filled with this, filled the branches with this oranges, representing a healthy root. When you look at someone looks at your life as a tree, do they see the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, happiness. Do they see the fruit that is that tree that has stood by the living waters? You make that decision. And I don't know of a better time to begin a new year than to make a commitment today as a child of God that I want my life to be prosperous. Father, in Jesus' name, your word is so simple that sometimes we find ourselves stumbling over it. But, oh, dear Lord, your word is so true. Help us, dear Lord, to take your word and to allow it to teach us and guide us and train us to be the men and women that you've called us to be. I pray, dear Father, 
that today there will be scores of people that will just say to the Lord, Lord, I want to recommit my life to you. I want my life count. I want there to be fruit. And I want there to be rewards that I might lay down at your feet one day. So, Father, in Jesus' name, may the Spirit of God lead us and guide us and convict us and direct us for your glory. In Jesus we pray.